Hello, my name is Larry Dobrow, and I'm the editor-in-chief of MM&M. I am thrilled to be part of today's sponsored podcast with Dr. Leo Francis, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Evolution Health Group. Leo, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, excited, Larry. Delighted to be talking with you all and, um, you know, obviously a great supporter of you as a, as a team and a group. So really excited to be having a discussion today. All right. You know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Evolution's place in the market. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about DE&I. Um, to start off, let, let's talk about, and, you know, I'm excusing in advance this inexcusable pun, the evolution of evolution. Uh, tell me a little bit about the agency and how you came to be um, the COO of it. Yeah, so it's really very interesting. I mean, um, the the agency, you know, as a as a starting point, was built by you know three partners who had this you know real desire and excitement around um, communications and you know dialogue uh, with clinicians about you know trying to make the best decisions they can make when they're thinking about patient outcomes. So that's where it all started. And I think you know over the years, you know, as I've um, moved through my career, you know, the partners and I were in, in great dialogue for many years. And it came, you know, it's one of those times where things come together and, you know, it's sometimes the time's right when the time's right. And, um, you know, joined the organization and we've been talking for many years and um, joined the organization and, um, you know, as a chief medical officer. And really in thinking about how we redefine and create, um, you know, almost a best in class medical team, fundamentally a medical team. And of course, that ladders into, you know, clients, client service and support. And, um, you know, over the years, you know, we've been building this best in class group, thinking about products, services and how education has become even more important, almost thinking about how that's impacting clients and how they're able to sort of support clinicians, healthcare professionals in their quest to deliver the best care they can for, for, for patients. And that's really how it came about, you know, working very deeply with the leadership team here, thinking about how to build our organization, grow the organization um, has really been the driver. And I'll give you kind of two things in that. Right? One, are, one is wanting to be a client destination. Every agency thinks of itself as being a client destination. But let me give you the flip side of that for us, which is we wanted to be a talent destination. We have this vision when people think about being lawyers or accountants or physicians. We absolutely believe there was a place for, for medical communications to be a destination. And we're on a quest to make that happen. And that's ultimately which has brought me to this point where now, you know, over the years and the progression with the partners, they've uh, placed a trust in me to help build their organizations, the COO. You know, one, one of the things you touched on this a little bit in your answer, but um, one of the things in our Agency 100 coverage of evolution that's always jumped out at me, five, seven, 10 years ago, when somebody said they were science first, you know, people kind of scoffed a little bit. There was a little bit like, well, of course, you know, everybody's got to be a little bit science, but if you don't get the communications part of it, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, fast forward to 2020 and 2021, the two pandemic years. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen is that science first is a pretty compelling proposition. Has, has there been any sense of, we told you so from evolution? Um, tell me a little bit about the evolution of that vision. Yeah. So I think, you know, we at the core believe of course, as you said, science first. And I'll, I'll give you a little pun, and, and this is kind of a historical one, you know, in terms of starting in the sort of agency world, you know, from moving from farm into the agency world. We think about science 
but we also have to think about communication. So there's this little pun which says the communication of science and the science of communication. And our belief absolutely is we have to be skilled and experts in both. But fundamentally, you know, science is in any, any, any area of business or even in therapeutics. We love to talk in the language of the therapy area, but yet are not translating it in a way that connects with people. So our ability to translate science and mobilize it in a way that makes it meaningful and in context to the end user, whether that be a customer, whether that's a client, or whether that's a patient, is fundamentally what drives us. So we absolutely believe in science. And the reason for that is if we ultimately can fully understand the nature of what it is that is making a difference, we can translate that in a way that is both meaningful for the patient and meaningful for the clinician, but also creates value for our customers. Because at the end of the day, we're a service company. We're not servants, but we're a service company. And that means we must learn how to serve. And serving is about also communicating very clearly, but in a meaningful and a way that creates value. So that's ultimately the science piece and it stayed right at our core. That hasn't changed and we've built around that and it leads everything that we do. Um, another proposition, which I think evolution has done an extremely good job of building um, some of the agencies work with on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, tell me, give us, give us sort of a state of the union for DEI at Evolution. You know, certainly one, one of the things which, as you know, as an organization that covers the space, is very heartening, is that you know a lot of the times you know something would happen, you know, you hear a lot of words, and then nobody would actually follow it up with action. There does seem over the last year or two to have been some concrete action, but um, Evolution has been on this for some time. Tell me a little bit about the role of that at the agency. So that, you know, it's incredible. That in and of itself is incredibly interesting. I want to give you a little vignette as I jump in to answer that question. Do you know, um, you can probably tell from my accent that I'm, I'm not originally from the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. No. <laughs> I know. It's a shock, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> here's the thing. When I came to the U.S., you know, the, the word diversity was not very common to me in terms of what it meant it now in, in, in Europe and certainly in the UK. Maybe we talked about that from an equal opportunities. The principles were still the same. They would just have different terminology to them. What was very interesting, though, is that we, you might think of us, our clients might think of us as being sort of this agent provocateur, meaning being provocative in our thinking. And, and fundamentally, that with the science first component meant that we value the, the, the sort of variability, the different perspectives that come from the nature of the people that we hire. And so our whole premise was about finding those differing perspectives because we believe those different perspectives create greater value. So almost diversity in of itself wasn't a destination. It was, it was a driver for us that became the destination. But what we did, if you looked over the last two or three years, we took a step back and look, looked at, look, took a look at our collective staff and we thought, wow, look at this rich group of diverse but yet included people that we have. We felt so gratified by because in and of itself, it wasn't a destination. It was about how we brought different perspectives together and choosing the brightest and the best, irrespective of culture or gender. But what has happened as we looked at that, we've embraced it more and more and the nature of how we even recruit people. We don't start from offering a job. We start from getting to know the person. We believe know the person and you know the customer. And we have to think about harnessing the desire of the people we hire to be able to bring them into the agency. So we're not talking about offering a job, we're talking about 
is there a commonality there around the desire and excitement? And that ultimately drives us. And that is not driven by diversity. It's not driven by being inclusive. It's all of those things. And, you know, quite frankly, as I've come to the agency, when I look across the agency, in every department, we have diversity, no, without question. Whether you think about that, whether you think about culture, creed, race, whether you think about gender, if you think about the mechanisms we use to include people to be able to offer their perspectives, we have a saying in the agency, your contribution is greater and it's not bound by your title. Your title sets you in the agency, but your contribution is way beyond that. So we're, we're, our purpose is to unleash you, not to harness and inhibit you. So that ultimately is where, we, where our diversity arises from. And, you know, let me give you one final kind of comment on, on the diversity. You know, we know some of the many sort of situations that have occurred over the last, you know, certainly year to two. And I, I bring up the George Floyd one as an example. And I want to paint a picture. Here I am as a, a black man, African-American, as you call it, African-Caribbean, if you're from the UK. And the partners and our HR team embraced the fact for me to give commentary on that situation internally with the agency, which I thought was incredibly courageous and brave to not hide from those situations, but to openly talk about them. So I think it's engineered into our agency and we're very proud of that. And I certainly am. So if you look across, you'll see the patchwork of our agency is built up of diverse and included people. And we're not limited by that. That, that actually provides um, you know, a nice kind of way into something else I wanted to ask you about. And I think you touched on a little bit in that response. I hate putting this in like military terms, but the yeah. war for talent, you know, right now there does seem to be many, many, many more people looking for yeah. good people than there are good people. Uh, tell me a little bit about how evolution's handling that. Tell me a little bit about not just finding good people, but also making sure they're happy and, you know, wanting to stay for a long time. Yeah. So there is a talent war, no question. And I think, you know, what, and again, what we have tried to do and we have been doing is we have been moving the way we have, we are attracting talent um, and the way that we're engaging talent in the conversations when we're thinking about hiring. And, and let's, let's give you some tangible examples. So our recruitment process, um, when you think about it, starts from, as we look into the market, we've got a very skilled and talented talent acquisition team. So that's one component. When we think about our leaders shaping and framing our value proposition for candidates is really important. But, but, but naturally, the, the nature of the hiring process and the dialogue which goes looks different typically to what an agency is. And I said, I touched on it. We believe in being this talent destination. And so what we try and find is good people. But let me part that and say, we're not talking about good people when you think about capability. We're talking about good people, fundamentally good human beings that are aligned to our values. That's our starting point. And I say, and you know, this was, is ironic, and I know some of my team you know, chuckle at it when we're interviewing. And I say to the person, I'm not here to offer you a job. And it literally, it, it's, it's a freeze frame, you know? It's like, it's a stop, like, okay, why am scratch. I here? <laughs> exactly, why am I here? And the conversation then goes into me saying, this process is about getting to know you as you get to know us. But let me just put you at ease. You have all the answers and you're in the process of educating me to the nature of who you are. And from that, 
we're going to see if our desires connect. And if our desires connect, and I connect to you as a person, as an individual in terms of your values, the piece of anchoring you to our business as a job becomes far easier. It gives us greater stickiness and ultimately creates a belief in that we're very authentic and care about your future. Our jobs as leaders is about how we manage and handle the well-being of people, not merely the work that they do. And so that's really the premise of how we approach it. Our interview process looks different. The nature of those conversations are different. They're more about the, your caliber of your values than the things that you've done. Because resumes invariably are one-dimensional. They tell you what you've done. They don't necessarily tell you the nature of the person. When you start to have that conversation, um, you know, when that person sits down across from you, what, what, what's, some, what's the response that you get? Are people um, surprised? I mean, I, I would imagine that after, you know, if somebody's interviewing with a bunch of different companies, somebody comes out and, you know, speaks to them as a person rather than as a potential asset, as a potential cog in the machine, they're going to feel a little bit differently about the conversation. Yes, they do. And I, I'll, I'll tell you that the feedback that we've had has been, you know, some of it's very rewarding for us because there's been reflection. Candidates often reflect and go, oh, I'm really, that's helped me kind of understand myself a bit more, what my drivers are, what really matters to me, as opposed to just the words, what fundamentally does. So it creates a degree of self-reflection. And, you know, being very mindful, we as an agency are learning from that too, because these are very authentic conversations. And, and, and what we're trying to get to is the degree of vulnerability people are willing to show as we show vulnerability as an agency. And that is, is, is incredibly striking. And what we, the feedback we get from candidates has been, wow, that's different. You actually wanted to talk about me, not the things I can do for you, but me. And so it can be quite compelling. But I will say this, though, Larry, it attracts to us as many people as it has people reflecting and almost saying, you know, I need to go away and think about this a little more because what I templated thought about before actually coming through this has made me think differently. And often we've had others come through and say, you know, I'm going to interview people differently now. <laughs> so I think we're creating that stickiness, but you know, let's not think of this as just a panacea because once people are in the business, we have, another way of how we have to try and create that stickiness. And that's really challenging at this moment in time, right? As people are reevaluating their value sets, the things that matter to them, and that's changing. And we have to evolve with it, right? It's not static. And there's no more going back to what COVID is and uh, what was pre-COVID and, and, and somehow we're returning to what was the norm. That's not happening. <laughs> it's different. You, you've touched on it a little bit, but um, some of the, some of the retention strategies that are working for evolution. What what are some of the things that people need to hear right now? You know, you keep hearing about you know the great the great quitting, the great you know so many people just saying, well, if I'm not happy in my job, you know, after the last 20 months, the way that everybody's lived, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deal with that. I'm gonna go find something else to do. What is evolution doing to make sure its people are happy, content, and also you know just mentally well? It's been such a draining year. Yeah, it has. And I think, you know, that I would say, Larry, is a work in progress. I don't think we have found yet that if there is a solution, we're finding that we have to be very agile. We have to be continually talking with our collective teams. We have to be engaging with them. We have typically town halls, which we will run maybe every quarter. And, you know, we're always asking staff regularly to give us feedback. 
we're trying to pivot and understand what are the things that are really driving them. But we also, as an agency, have a position, right? We have a position that we want, a culture that we want to retain and we want to hold on to. And so there are some that self-select, that feel that things have changed and they need to move on, but there are others who are attracted and come to us. And I think it's, it's an incredibly challenging time for us to navigate what are the pieces that create the stickiness. I would argue that it's, it's changing and it's changing literally on a monthly basis. And so our ability to recognize that as leaders is really important. And then to take steps to be able to um, create that attractiveness, but also the stickiness that come with it, comes with it. Retention starts from the moment you're interviewing your candidate. Retention doesn't start the moment you bring them in. <laughs> or the moment when somebody expresses a degree of dissatisfaction. You know, you can't just flip a switch and uh, make someone happy. No, that's absolutely true. But there, it's a quid pro quo because we, we certainly believe if we can create a belief that being vulnerable in our staff and they're willing to share, that we can be able to pivot and make change. And I think that is an incredibly challenging place, right? Um, and we are having to do it literally on a daily basis, trying to understand how the market's moving. Um, and it is challenging, you know, but the challenging piece of talented people has become even more acute. Finding talented people, great talented people was always a challenge. Um, now it's, it's, it's magnified logarithmically, right? So that's certainly one part, you know, one component of, you know, evolutions, you know, marketplace strategy. Um, tell me about the other side of it, you know, the clients and the way that evolutions work has evolved over the last couple of years. Um, you know, give me sort of the state of the union on the way evolution sees the current marketplace. Yeah. So the marketplace, you know, as things, when you think about, I mean, COVID has created a, a different type of engagement. Um, yes, we talk about, you know, virtual versus, you know, um, in person, but it, 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 it's created some, shall we say, components which have got a greater emphasis to it. So authenticity, vulnerability, inclusion, uh, those components, right, and, and compassion have become right to the fore. And what we've tried to do is codify those in the kinds of interactions that we're having with clients. If we think about the marketplace specifically as far as clients go, it's clear regulation is continuing to increase. And that regulation has really been driving, if you look at you know, even the OIG and some of the new guidelines that are coming out, the impact that's going to have in terms of what promotion could look like. And that really talks to the role of the sales representative when you think about promotion. You know, some of those things we're seeing where representatives having less of an influence in who they might select for speaker programs, for example, and how that may be taken out of their hands. We already know for years that there's been a decline in sort of, you know, the classic sales representative. But the, the pivot there is when you look at medical, medical and education as opposed, or should we say non-promotion, that we would typically call education has, has a much greater role to play. And medical and medical affairs has an incredibly important role in terms of authentic dialogue in a way that is considered meaningful, but without almost without bias, but has great value. And I think that emphasis is changing between promotion and what one would call maybe independent or non-promotion. Um, and some of those, you know, pharma guidelines that are, that are you know, really going to be in place by, or pharma code guidelines by, you know, 2022 are really going to have an impact in terms of um, 
not just access to clinicians, but the things we're able to do in terms of communication and dialogue. And medical is going to have a much more integrated and powerful role, which I don't think is being optimized as we look at the market today. Um, so, some other, you know, I've, I've had these conversations with, you know, one or two other people in the business, but these conversations are almost always with people on the brand side. Um, yeah. It's very rare that, you know, you hear people on the agency side speaking about this. Uh, do, do you think the agency world writ large is going to need to pivot a little bit? Do you think there's an awareness of the way things are changing, um, as you just described? Yeah, I, I think there's an awareness. Um, I think, you know, when you look at <laughs> medical communications agencies, if you want to think of it um, very traditionally, you'd think, yes, of course, we're science first, which goes back to that earlier point you made. And then you might look on the promotion side and think it was more, again, traditional advertising per se, thinking about promotion in terms of representatives and the sales force. But I think there are integration points across the collective when you look at marketing and you look at medical on the pharma side. And us as agencies have got to do certainly a better job in how we see those integration points ultimately to deliver value. So it's less about, I would argue, promotion or non-promotion. It's about how do you create those connections that ultimately serve that customer, which is, let's say, in our, in our space, it's the HCP. How do we help them or support them in a way or provide information in a way that is meaningful to them, that is credible, that there isn't misinformation, that they're able to consider that information and do it in the most timely fashion to assist them in the decisions that they need to make, which ultimately is serving the patient. So I do think agencies, we have to pivot. And there are some initiatives that we're you know, taking on board in terms of how we support that service model to clients and how they can engage with us a little differently to help us serve their needs and serve the needs of their of the clinicians and ultimately the patient. That, that would actually be a wonderful you know, way for us to uh, close out the conversation. Tell me about some of those innovations. Tell us what's next. Um, you know, I think evolution has, again, to use my terrible pun, evolved so much in the time that we've been covering the agency. Um, where, what are the next big steps? Um, what are the big items on your to-do list going forward? Yeah, so I think, you know, when we think about, you know, we talk about interactive, we talk about digital and this sort of social media and social listening and those kinds of initiatives and being science first. But we've come up with a, a, a really quite, I think it's quite an innovative way. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with the teaser, Larry, without sharing too much because, you know, my... Uh, <laughs> no, we're, we're very on the record here, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the team are not going to love me if I share too much. But we have, um, we've cr we're creating a, an incredible uh, sort of, sort of initiative that allows for our clients, on the, certainly on the prescription side, to be able to engage with us in a different way for us to help them solve some of their business problems. So beyond science, and, and, and I'll, I'll share with you, it's an initiative we're calling Quintescience. And um, I'll leave that as the headline, but what it is meaning, it's allowing us to take the expertise that we have and direct that, direct that in a way that clients are able to use us to answer business problems that go beyond traditional discipline, if you think about medical communications, but thinking about, challenges that they're going to face in the bringing of a, a prescription agent to the market and how they want to have maybe more proximity to the clinicians, but in a much more authentic way. And, and I think it's a quid pro quo. It helps, it helps, it'll help engagement with HCPs, but it also allows uh, our pharmaceutical clients to be able to ask questions heretofore, maybe they've not been able to, and be able to get answers that are very meaningful 
and have merit as opposed to one might say market research. Maybe sometimes they hear what they like to hear, right? So. You know, the, the, the context is often missing. You know, you hear yeah. about so many of these, you know, wonderful, huge findings. And it's like, all right, what does it mean? Right. Well, uh, you know, did we tell you? And then, you know, like somebody like pulls a fire alarm and runs out of the room or something, you know? Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. So that in that regard, you know, Quinn Science will certainly um, be providing something that's very, very meaningful and more importantly, actionable to ultimately create results, uh, results for our clients. So we're excited by that. So you'll see, you'll be able to see a little bit of that coming out in the next, you know, next few days. All right. When that rolls out, when you're able to talk about it more, let's do this again. This is a terrific conversation. Really enjoyed it. No, listen, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be talking about the agency and the things that we're doing. But, you know, maybe the last word is, you know, um, the genuine feelings we have for our people and the great things that they do. Our job is simply to un unleash that great talent and allow them to do the great things that they, you know, we're credited for with our clients. So, right. Leo, this was a delight. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, well, I look forward to talking with you soon and you uh, have a great weekend, Larry. Thank you so much. You as well. And for the MMM podcast, this is Larry Dobrow. Have a terrific day and be well.